And now, a bit of romance. Two girls on a quest to find which rom-com is the best. P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Hello, and welcome to P.S. I Love Rom-coms, a podcast about love that you're crossed in, schemes that you're lost in, and writers named Austin. We're your hosts. I'm Mia. I'm Allie. PSA Love Rom-Coms is a rom-com review podcast where each week, Mia and I try to answer the question, which rom-com is the best rom-com of all time? For the month of August, we decided to celebrate one of the rom-com founding mothers, Jane Austen, in PSA Love Rom-Coms, Austin August. Over the next couple of weeks, we plan on watching a movie adaptation from every one of Jane's six novels. So grab your bonnets and hop in your carriages because we're about to be lost in some Austin, baby! Woo! Woo! Joining us today to celebrate Jane is Austinite and host of the conspiracy comedy podcast, Lizard People. And if she was in a Jane Austen novel, she'd be Mrs. Jennings from Sense and Sensibility because she knows all the hot gossip and all the saucy rumors and always wants to get to the bottom of what's really going on. So you guys, it's the one and only Caitlin Hepstead. Hi. Wow. Thank you so much for thinking I'm one of the like aunts who know the tea. I love that (laughs) for me. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. I love our Austin-based friendship and I never (laughs) want it to end. Yeah. Um, listeners, if after listening to this episode, you're like, man, these three women know a lot about Austin. I want to hear them talk more about Austin. Go over to Lizard People and listen to uh, me and my episode and actually all of the episodes. But uh, in our episode, we uh, cover a, a little known conspiracy theory that Jane Austen, in fact, invented game theory. Uh, so check that out if you it's are craving stuff. Even more Austin. Yep. And then come <laughs> back over to this podcast and listen to the episode of March Magnus where it all began. Ugh, <laughs> 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 oh, I love Austin. I'm thrilled to talk about this. So I've been I'm so into Austin, and I just the more I learn, just the more I'd like just dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And I I just watched um I just watched the Emma, the 2019 oh. 2020 Emma adaptation. Nuts. It's nuts. People uh, like, and I'm sorry to be vulgar, but people like almost finger each other in that movie. <laughs> it's what? like, no, okay, I'm exaggerating, but it's like, it's so overtly sexual and so crazy and so beautiful to look at and so just like bonkers weird. It was wild. It almost it? reminds me of like if Tim Burton did a Jane Austen oh, adaptation. Yes, I like I that. I was thinking the last time we talked about it, I was like, it reminded because I haven't seen it. I watched like I watched five minutes of it ever after I watched the Gwyneth one, and I was like, I yeah. can't do mm-hmm. this right now because it was a lot. But I was like, it reminds me of Willy Wonka. It reminds me of Willy Wonka. Yes, yes, it is like visually stunning, and every character is like a weird little creature. Like everybody's <laughs> so strange. <laughs> oh, it was a ride. Anyway, I'm oh, sorry man. I cut you off. I just had to scream about that movie. No, no. I, 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 the last episode me and I did uh, for Austin August, Clueless, I kind of like dragged that movie. And then afterwards, I was like, Ellie, how dare you drag a movie that you haven't seen? That's just like <laughs> not right. And so I watched it and um, 
Uh, I actually stick by most of my opinions. (laughs) (laughs) It really really helped me knowing that the director is a music video director. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, yeah, this is all vibes and no content. (laughs) (laughs) That is so, it's so insane that the people who direct the Austin um, adaptations are like so random. Yes. (laughs) Totally. And, and speaking on that note, and this is a good uh, maybe early transition to the topic of um, what movie we're watching, but Dakota Johnson is starring and producing in a new adaptation of Persuasion. No. Uh-huh. And she's going to play Anne Elliot. Um, which I I mean, like, I get where she's coming from. If I was that rich and famous, I would no question i would do the exact same thing she's doing i would do the exact same thing she's doing Great point even though i probably am i'm right now i'm not right for ann elliott she's not right for ann elliott but exactly. every woman right wants- for ann elliott come on thank you thank you right. the you. only reason Allie ali can't be ann elliott because ali's still, like could do 18 to younger still you know like right if- like you're not quite only- <laughs> You're not yes. spinster enough. <laughs> I'm not spinster yeah, enough. Like, and neither is Dakota Johnson. No. Well, Dakota I Johnson. think she thinks, oh, God, I hate this. I hate this. I'm sorry. I know it's rude to prejudge a movie, and she does do a lot of really interesting stuff. But, like, mm-hmm. I think that she thinks that it's the 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 girl from uh, fucking Fifty Shades of Grey. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm mousy, and nobody sees, like, the beautiful things. I mean, like, here's this man who sees a beautiful thing. I'm, I'm worried. Oh I'm worried that's gosh, the direction it's going. You're so right. It's yeah. the same character arc. Yeah. But in a bad. But, but, like, oversimplifying it. Like, she's, yeah. 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 Which was right. the one thing. And not, and we'll get into it, but it's, that was the one thing I really appreciated about this version was, like, Amanda mm-hmm. Wood was so correct. Yeah. Um, for Root? that, um, Amanda, Amanda Root. Root. Oh my god, I keep calling her Amanda Wood. Amanda Root was so. They're both on a tree. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. My uh, botany confused. It was uh, a botany thing. Uh, yeah, it was a botany issue, but I found it with the help of uh, a little help from my friends. But yes, mm. and I won't. Yeah, we won't even have to. But it's like again, and that's the issue. That's the difference between England and America. Is it's like just, just put. Yeah, I mean, Dakota, you could play. Mrs. Clay, you could play the sister. Oh, sure. like- <laughs> oh my gosh, I would kill to play Mrs. Clay. Oh uh, my god, this Mrs. Clay was so interesting. Oh god, okay, uh-huh. we'll get into okay. it. We'll get into well, it. Okay, we'll speaking we'll into speaking it. of characters that we'd like to play now, Caitlin, I think that it's a little transition into our next segment, which is which rom com hero slash heroine are you channeling? Where we equate the experiences we've had this week with a famous rom com hero or heroine. Uh, but for Austin August, we are switching it up. And we're sticking to characters that are only in Jane Austen's novels. Um, and I can start us off this week. Um, I think <laughs> this week I'm channeling <laughs> Jane Fairfax from mm. Emma. Mm. Right? Right? I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm I've been a little coy this week. Mm. I've been a little bit uh I've been doing some uh it feels like kind of like secret flirting that no one else is aware of. You know? Oh my god. Um, yes. Doing kind of like a little under the radar flirting um, where I, you know, met somebody on uh, the a little app called Hinge and uh, <laughs> yes. and talk about it. 
And, you know, it's, um, we have yet to meet in person, um, but we have exchanged, not letters because, you know, we're not uh, in the Regency era, but we've exchanged, you know, our modern day equivalent of texts. And we've just been texting each other for a month now. Oh, my God. Um, because he uh, is out of town and kind of um, dealing with family stuff. And I am in town and much like Jane Fairfax and Frank Churchill, uh, we've just kind of been low-key having a, a romance of letters that no one else is aware of, just mm. us, but every day texting and saying mm. witty little things. And um, he has yet to get me a pianoforte, but... Uh, any day now. <laughs> any day now. Every day I, I check my front stoop being like, where's my pianoforte? Um <laughs> But yeah, so I've been having like a very like um, very fun, like there's nothing more fun than like texting or writing letters where it's like there's really no consequences yet. Everything's easy. Uh, right. There's no challenges. Uh, the communication's easy. And so I'm just enjoying kind of my uh, secret written romance right now. But yeah, that's yeah. who I'm channeling. Uh, um. Oh my god, that's amazing! Wait, are you? What are you guys gonna meet? Um, yeah, we, we are meeting uh for the first time uh this upcoming weekend. So <gasps> exciting! Pretty exciting! Oh my god! Um, wow! I hope he I hope he dances with you in front of the whole assembly hall. Me too. I hope he sings a duet with me. Yeah. And, and isn't overwhelmed by my embarrassing ants. Oh no, oh no! He'll be able to handle your ants, no question. Exactly. Exactly. Thank goodness. Um, but <laughs> yes, that's who I'm channeling. Uh, Mia, who are you channeling this week? Um, this week I'm channeling Mary Bennett. Um, from Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> okay. Oh my god, honey. <laughs> oh, Correct me if I'm wrong. This is a sister who just like likes to read and play piano, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, and like quote and quote really moral (laughs) things to all of her sisters. Yes. Like Mary, stop. (laughs) Oh Mary. Okay. You're just taking solace in philosophy. Exactly, exactly. And like this is like a bit of a walk, but it's like I am channeling Mary in the way where it's like normal humans are like doing sort of like more classic activities, and she's like, no, I just want to do this one thing. And that's all I want to talk about. And um, the last week, so it's like when I am like stressed and tired and I've just like had a lot of work and it's been really great and I'm like very grateful, but I just have been like very tired and stressed and um, a bit like unmoored, you know, like it's like traveling. It's like, it's just been like taking a toll, um, you know, on my, on sort of what my interests are. And so they did just add um, the MTV reality show, the first two seasons of Are You the One? On Netflix. And Wait, what? Huge. What? Oh my, Thrilling. Wait, you don't know. Oh, oh my god, Allie. Oh my god, you didn't know. Oh my god, Allie. The first no. Season, sorry, no. On oh my god. And well, I'm not gonna see or talk to anyone for the next 24 hours. Bye. Exactly. Exactly. Because I found myself in a situation where for work last week, I was in a place where I only had Netflix during my free time, which is fine, which is absolutely fine. It was like a crazy series. It was like my computer died and, and I, I'm a lucky lady. Not to say I only had one. Zoom we're not. Problem. We're not denigrating Netflix. We're not saying it's not good enough, mm, but no, that is restriction, no, but like, right? But it's like reality TV. More, I would say, like the bigger titan for that is Hulu. You know, it's like they they sort of have mm-hmm. more variety, more options, and um, reality TV is really how I like to process um, 
sort of like stressful periods. And um, so I did see that Are You The One was on and I watched season one in college, which was really great. And I was like, great, I guess I'll go to season two. And um, season two is like a little more stressful because I would say the contestants like don't like, um, it's like they don't seem like super okay necessarily. It's like, not like they're not okay, but it's like I, oh, no. I worry for them and I don't know if I feel good like watching them. But they're yeah, like, you don't uh, want to watch reality TV where you're like, I'm I'm genuinely afraid for these people exactly. that they're gonna and hurt themselves. Like, right. And it's like a very stressful emotional situation. But the game element of the show is so smart and it's so <laughs> compelling. And I couldn't stop and it's all I wanted to do. And it's like all I've been doing is like watching them talking about Are You the One? And it's like not good for me and sure. <laughs> It's like not good for me. Is it like isolating me from like my community or like Mary's making me an outcast? Yeah, because it's like I everyone's like, why don't we do a normal human thing? And I'm like, why don't I go to my room and watch? Like, eth- like ethically, like not like morally, like unclear whether or not I should be watching it show. Um, and that's so that's um, <laughs> yeah. And then when you are, me? and then when you are hanging out with people, your father's like why don't you stop talking about this reality TV <laughs> yeah. show? You're... Why don't you let some of these other girls at the ball, you know, talk about to talk about what their interests are. These girls would exactly. like to talk about F-Boy Island now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which literally somebody did try to talk to me about it. And I was like, uh-huh, are you the one? It's, <laughs> it's a segregation. Like, that's literally a conversation I had last night. Um, <laughs> so so that's, that's who I'm channeling. And it's like, you know what? I don't. I don't hate it. I really like Mary. I, I always sort of like, like, I always kind of get Mary. And so that's just my mm-hmm. little version of Mary this week. But um, I'm always a bit of Mary. Yeah, I'm excited. It's almost done. I only have an episode and a half left. I've got like 10 minutes to the finale and then um, and then like the reunion episode. So I'm honestly looking forward to And then you're free. Done. <laughs> yeah. And then, thank yeah. God there's no more seasons on Netflix because if there were, you know, it would not be, yeah, I wouldn't join the ball. I wouldn't join in. So this, you know, I can, this way I can sort of enjoy that my two sisters will be wed to mm-hmm. two friends and, mm-hmm. you know, that my, <laughs> but my father and my mother are happy. And so now you have enough money that'll throw the girls into the path of other rich men. Yes. Exactly. You and know. I know like I'll eventually be taken care of, but, um, but I will be, that I still will be burrowed away until, it's, until it's done. And then, okay. and then I will rejoin society. So that's what I'm channeling. Um, I'm so sorry for all of you that now you know that it's on Netflix because <laughs> I know because <laughs> now I wish I didn't know because that's you know that's, I watched it very quickly. It was not that long ago that I started it. Um, but that's what I'm channeling. Caitlin, who are you channeling? Yes, well, I'm so glad that you brought up the Bennetts because you can't see me right now, but gals, <laughs> I went to the damn hairdresser this weekend <gasps> and I got my hair dyed blonde. Oh my god, um, yes. <laughs> So I am channeling Jane Bennett and because of the blonde hair, because Jane is for some reason always blonde in (laughs) adaptations. And also I'm channeling Jane Bennett because I had never been on Hinge before and like a week and a half ago, I got on Hinge. That's right. I'm single. Tell a friend. And I... (laughs) It's the one. It's good. (laughs) And I was having that post breakup thing where I'm like, well, no one likes me. Boys don't like me. They think I'm disgusting. Nobody will ever love me and then I got on hinge and like six dudes were like I want to take you on a date and make you my wife and I was like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) oh I feel like the prettiest girl at the ball (laughs) all of a sudden you're like I'm in a country ball and Mm -hmm. I'm the hottest girl in a 
100 mile radius <laughs> these students who have five thousand a year are looking me up and down <laughs> and i'm not actually ready to be dating even though i'm acting like i am so i'm being very shy like jane i'm being very close with my feelings <laughs> oh my gosh so they can't see they, they don't know about your affection they don't know close to the chest like jane exactly oh. exactly so and- yes i'm having a jane moment and all of them are going to your sister being like, what? what? Can you get a read on her? And, your, and you know, your sister's just being like, she's just modest and shy. She doesn't even tell her true feelings to me. Her sister. My Exactly. Exactly. All my closest friends don't even know where my affections lie right now because I don't even really know where my affections lie. But when I meet my Mr. Bingley, it's going to be great. <laughs> oh my god i love I, that okay i adore this wait okay kayla this is i also just got on hinge for the first time like <gasps> ever was it shocking when you went on yes okay well so oh my gosh this is not the subject of the podcast but i am so excited to have a chance to talk about it <laughs> okay so i got on tinder because i was like tinder you know four and a half years ago tinder was like oh it's sort of casual nobody knows what they're looking for but it's chill i got on tinder i was right. on for a couple days and i was like this is hell this uh-huh. is <laughs> a nightmare um and oh so i deleted God. it and then i got on hinge and it's been pretty so- it's all like good looking dudes with good jobs who are nice to me <laughs> yeah oh that you, you are jane a thousand I, percent jane. you're you're jane i'm feeling very jane yes and then sometimes it's not quite the right fit and that's okay oh yes and this is not a this is not you know we're not promoting hinge on this podcast <laughs> but we we could, and we would be happy to if you would sponsor us Hinge. Um, exactly, but this seems like exactly. perfect synergy, the perfect <laughs> podcast for them to be sponsoring. Cough, exactly. cough, just saying. Cough, cough, right, just saying. Right. But, but Hinge's setup is great because they don't overwhelm you with people. You know what I mean? Yes. It's not like mm-hmm. Tinder is like London, okay? Mm-hmm. There's just so many people <laughs> totally. and you can't even wrap your mind around it and you're 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 swiping left, you're swiping right. You don't even know what's going on. <laughs> so there many too many balls. Maybe it's like bath. Like there's just too much going on. Yes. But then Hinge is like you're in the countryside. This is where people like to slow down. They're ready to settle down. You know, life moves a little slower and you can just really see people and uh you don't dine with that many families, yeah. you know. Right. Exactly. Right. Like, exactly. Overwhelming. Yeah, and you can really get to know people from their little their blurbs. That they <laughs> and put. you might end up married to your cousin, and that's okay. Right. And that's okay right. because yeah. the property stays in the family. In the family. Because exactly. yes. it, it, it offers you a fair amount of prospects that you already know and not in an over- overwhelming way. So the same way that a cousin is usually offered. <laughs> yes hinge is the cousin of dating apps yeah exactly (laughs) and that's what we're saying and that's why you should sponsor us right hinge it's like dating your cousin your cousin (laughs) (laughs) speaking of potentially marrying one's cousin (laughs) should we get into the movie discussion yeah Yeah. (laughs) this week we watched the 1995 adaptation of persuasion in this adaptation of Jane Austen's beloved novel, the Elliots, a once wealthy family, find themselves in, a, in massive debt. They decide to move to Bath, because uh, I can't, I have to say it. The British yeah, no, you're doing it right. I'm, you have to say I'm Bath. Not say, Bath. I'm not, yeah, I'm only going to call it Bath. And mm-hmm. rent out 
their estate to a well-to-do admiral and his wife. This change in circumstance is particularly painful to the second eldest daughter, Anne, played by Amanda Root, because the, te- uh, because the tenant happens to be related to Anne's ex-fiancé, Captain Frederick Wentworth, played by Sierra Hines. What do we think? Is that how you I, say Sierran? I'm gonna I'm gonna take a swing and say I think it's Kieran. You're right. Yeah, that I was like this has to be sort of like an older like like Celtic um, sort of situation. Exactly. Exactly. And that would that sounds correct. So it's okay. played by Kieran Hines. No, Anne was persuaded to break the engagement to Captain Wentworth years ago because of Wentworth's poor social standing and connections. She now finds that he has since become very successful and wealthy when he eventually visits and the two must confront their disappointing past. Wow. I mean, that's isn't that just like right out of uh, Olivia Rodrigo's Good For You? Um, Oh, my God. Isn't this novel the driver's (laughs) license of (laughs) 17 whatever? Isn't Jane Austen's whole collection of albums just the sour of the 1800s so it is true. so <sighs> true uh, but you guys a little bit more about this film this film is adapted <laughs> by nick deer and directed by roger mitchell two men in mm. the novel of persuasion uh <laughs> jane i'm sorry it's just it's just no. this thing that i've been noticing you guys yeah. it's just this thing i've been noticing i'm sorry i'm getting so bitter but it's like why where are the these no. stories are are a about women written by a woman in times where women had no power mm-hmm. yet we have a man and a man adapting and directing it and it's i mean it's a li- it's a little mind bending that people let that happen and yeah. also especially when persuasion has this wonderful scene in it where you know one of the main characters says you know it's really too bad yes. that all of the portrayals of women are written by men and of it's like all, thank you of all of the books to be completely <laughs> adapted by men come, that's like taking a room of one's own and being like we're gonna do a play and the director's gonna be a man and the adaption's gonna be a man and the lead's <laughs> also gonna be a man and fuck Virginia Woolf <laughs> yes oh god it's like a complete um, lack of awareness yeah <laughs> The 90s were fucked, dude. Oh, yeah. Dude. It, it just makes, oh. like, that line and that scene ironic in a sick way. Like, yeah. in a very mm-hmm. bad way. Um, the irony of being, like, women, you know, like, we need more stuff, like, you know, stories told by women about women. And it's mm-hmm. two men who uh, adapted and directed that scene. Anyway, <laughs> sorry for that <laughs> sidebar. I will, for, I will finish this introduction, I swear. Um, but, okay, so... <laughs> Here's a little fun fact. In the novel of Persuasion, Jane Austen uses, and some would argue, invents the style of free indirect speech, which Austen Mm. used to convey Anne's thoughts in the novel. Uh, The uh, film's writer, Sasha Dapter, Deer and the director Root felt compelled to express the character's emotions using less dialogue because of this uh, style of indirect free speech. Another fun fact is Persuasion was shot in chronological order, which yes. is honestly insane. Mm. Um, allowing mm. the actress to portray Anne's development from being downtrodden to happy and blossoming. Um, and that's that's a little bit about the film. And now I want to toss the conversation to Caitlin and just ask you um, a little bit about 
your your history with rom-coms and also with Jane Austen. Yes. So I, um, we talked about this on the other ep, but I was not a huge rom-com watcher for a lot of my life. Um, maybe it was internalized misogyny. Maybe it was because the culture of the nineties <laughs> was so bad that a lot of rom-coms are really gross. A <laughs> um, little bit of a column A, little column B. Um, but I love me a Kate Hudson rom-com. Uh, oh, I love oh, yeah. How to Lose Guy in 10 Days. Um, and I love uh, a costume, uh, like romantic movie. I I, slap everybody in some bustles and make them fall in (laughs) love. And I am sold. (laughs) And I love Jane Austen. I came to Jane Austen like, okay, I'll tell you the truth. I didn't really read her as a kid. Uh, and then I (laughs) taught English in (laughs) Vietnam for a year. Um, oh, wow. And oh. yeah, and it was like hard to find stuff to read. Um, and so I would just on my computer, like read or listen to audiobooks of like royalty free <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I like read and listened to that's when I like read Dickens. And like, that's when I found Jane Austen. I was like, Oh, my God, she's a fucking genius. This is all like, so charming and good. And you just fall in love with the characters. And that's, that's my Austen journey. Oh my I gosh, that. that is so beautiful to like, <laughs> you just be looking, because I've so done that where you're just like, I just need like stuff that's in the public domain mm-hmm. to just like go back and then be like, wait a minute, this is so relatable to my life. How? Yeah, like, how did I not know this? And like, what what more intensive an escape is there from like <laughs> Southeast Asian tropics <laughs> to like <laughs> weird, cold British people? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rural pastoral. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that you mentioned, um, the audiobooks, Caitlin, because like, I have recently, I've been like, oddly enough, like driving a lot the last, I mean, not oddly enough, uh, it's, it playing, is LA. uh it's, it's <laughs> LA and also, um, you know, flying has been terrifying for the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Mm-hmm. So I've been driving mm-hmm. a lot to places that I would maybe usually fly to. And so I've been driving a lot and I've been for the first time really getting into the audiobooks um for Jane Austen mm-hmm. and if you are interested in Austen and you're like a little scared to read her the audiobooks are so good because the actor like the the voice actors that they get for them even like the free ones are really really good and you can yes. kind of like tell people's personalities by the way that they're talking so like Mrs. Bates, like you hear Mrs. Bates in the Emma audiobook, and you're like, okay, I understand who this woman is. And you hear like the way that like Miss Elton talks, and you're like, okay, <laughs> I understand. Even though like the language is coming at me fast, I can understand from her intonation who this person is. It's totally like reading Shakespeare versus seeing Shakespeare, where yes, you're like, when you yes. see it on the stage, you're like, of course I see that this character is like totally distinct. And like, of course I understand how these people feel about each other. And when you read it, it can be like a little bit of a slog or like it's archaic. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. The audiobooks that are on Spotify are so yeah. good. Are you listening yeah. to those? Mm. I'm listening. Yeah. The Emma one's really good. And then your li- like the library always has available versions mm-hmm. um, on their like apps and whatnot. But yeah, I was listening. I was listening to the Emma one on Spotify. I think Caitlin, because you mentioned it was on Spotify, and you were like, "It's it's like um, <laughs> you were like it's a very passable version." I was like, "Amazing!" Mm-hmm. And um, faux free, baby. 
<laughs> um, okay, so speaking of how, okay, yes, like how much it changes when we listen to the book, how did you guys feel? I've never actually read Persuasion. So this was, this is my, and I had never seen this version. So this was my first time seeing um, the story of Persuasion. Mm-hmm. How, what, what did you guys think? Caitlin, start with you. Had you read Persuasion? Um, yes. And what do you think of this version? Uh, before I even answer that, I'm so curious to know, because I was thinking about it while I was watching it. Like, did you feel like you got their history from this adaptation? Because they cut a lot. Oh, really? Okay. That's how I felt with the 2005 um, or 2000. Yeah. The 2005 Pride of Prejudice. I was like, God, oh, they cut mm. a lot of here. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. I did. I'll tell you what I thought happened. yes I'm curious to know okay great I thought that eight years ago they were like madly in love and then her mom's her late mother's friend just like convinced her to say no because of his status Mm -hmm. and um like sort of like just like incorrectly and I I I sort of gleaned that like she was sort of like the belle of the ball in the community so it's like she had like yeah she like had his option she had like her sister Mary's husband as an option at one point and then that just um she had been like advised away from sort of like love or she didn't want Mary's husband, but yeah. yeah that, okay. That's what I thought happened between yeah. her and um, Captain Wentworth. Captain uh, Wentworth. Okay. How uh, far off am I? What, 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 what happened? No, nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Exactly. I, I didn't, wow. I think like a, an interesting thing about this movie was that, or like that differs from the book is that like, Austin can be really pretty hard on her character sometimes and in the book it's a very sort of like Anne was never that pretty and she stopped being pretty really early (laughs) and like people love her because she is like smart and sweet and hardworking and like curious about the world but like she was never like you know she was never Jane um she was always sort of like <laughs> not the cutest girl in the whole neighborhood right. but yeah, yeah but you're right in that she has this sort of like men just keeping like please and she keeps being like no right <laughs> right in a way that I would yeah which is interesting because I almost felt like the, the echo of that where it's like it should have been that Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, yeah, but in this, I did feel like, yeah, she was a bit of a hot commodity. I also thought Happy Wentworth was such an asshole <laughs> when he showed up. Is that the same yeah. thing? Yeah. yeah, he's just he... flirting with the sisters in front of her. Yeah. He's such an asshole. <laughs> yeah, he was. Yes. It was not good of him. Yes. Yeah. I think they leaned into that a little harder in the movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely that in the book. Also, okay, so here's my here's my problem. Kieran, shit, what is it? Yeah, Kieran. Kieran Hines. Thank you, Kieran Hines. Okay, so I love the HBO series Rome, and Kieran Hines (laughs) plays Caesar in that, and he's like in his fifties at that point. Um, And Mm. it is really hard for me to see him as like a hot young. like romantic lead it's really hard because all i can see is like him in a toga like stabbing dudes uh, so right. i struggled a little bit to like i did not have a crush on captain Wellworth at any point is all i'll say there oh okay me me neither i would say mm. in this version like okay I think, I think he also seemed a little bit like of an older man to me in this version as well but i i liked i mean like in any jake i'm i'm always I'm always, uh, my interest is piqued by the circumstance, you know, so I'm always yes, very totally. Like, it's like, I can get on board with him because I need 
um, I need Anne to be okay, and he is the best option. And they are so horny for each other, as evidence. They're so yeah. horny for each other. Oh, oh my god, this was one of the more horny adaptations that I. He, well, yeah, they they're in the they originally. Like, this was originally just going to be, like, another one of the, like, BBC TV movies, but then an American oh. production company came along, and they're like, we'll give you some of our our our, our movie money. And then <laughs> when that happened, one of the American producers was like, you got to make them kiss. And all, all, <laughs> the, That's and all, right. the, all the British people were like, no, 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 no. And they're like, <gasps> Tr- trust me. You gotta make them kiss, and then they had, and then the the director's like, "Fine, we'll shoot one kissing scene that we'll probably cut from the British version, but we'll put in the American version that's gonna be in theaters." And they filmed it, and that scene was like we saw was so hot and horny and good that uh, they're like, you know what? The director's like, we're gonna keep it in both versions. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> well, okay, I'm torn. Okay, I mean, you know, spoilers—they get together at the end. But like I'm so torn because okay, part of my problem with the Emma adaptation, God, this is so in the weeds, is that it was too overtly <laughs> physical and horny. Like people were like oh, making yeah. out. And but I see there was a whole butt scene that did not need to oh, be in. Oh god, it. yeah, there was so much <laughs> ass in his, that movie. <laughs> it was like oh, it was like god. full male nudity. Yeah. Oh Do you see peen? I forget. No, you okay. don't. But you, you, if you looked close enough and maybe paused at the right spot, you maybe could have. <laughs> I think you can see a little <laughs> undernut um, at the very least. Mm-hmm. Of course, yes. What is a crazy choice for Emma? Sorry. Yeah, simply <laughs> crazy, well. unnecessary. I'm, I'm so torn because it's like what I want from an Austin adaptation and just sort of like period dramas in general, which is why I didn't love Bridgerton, is like, ooh, the longing. Ooh, we want to touch, but we can't touch. Right. Mm-hmm. And so part of me was like, they're kissing in the street. The, the, the spell is broken. But another part of me was like, this is hot and horny. I love them. <laughs> well, you know what? It's. I agree in that I was okay when that scene came I was completely shocked because I was like not allowed not allowed (laughs) at all but you know what the horniness I am referring to it what I saw was two moments that I was like oh my god the first right could have been could have been perceived as like stress and anxiety I perceived this horniness (laughs) okay (laughs) me confusing her tensions like (laughs) they're very close together anxiety and and sexual tension (laughs) yes I I think it's sexual tension. I think it's either when she sees him for the first time or he comes to the house unannounced at Mary's, but she, Amanda Root, grabs a chair. Oh, oh yeah. Part. That was horny. Oh, right? yeah. She just, like, reflexively is like, get on the chair. Yes. I, you could see in her body she wanted to just, like, throw the fucking chair across the room and dive on him. It was great. Right. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, there's, I was like, and that was the first thing that I was like, okay, there's horny tension in this. And then when he helps her into the carriage, he, oh, like, yeah. really <sighs> sexily, like, touches her. Grabs her, way. yeah. Yes. I was like, her waist. Wow. Yeah. Like, this is. It's like almost upper butt and it is a grab. Oh my gosh. And that's the type of thing that you can sort of slide into Austin era, I'm sure. Like Mm -hmm. I buy that like, you know, it's like a, I mean, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know if that would have happened or not, but that's more plausible in the kids. I think it would because like that's all they had was like hand <laughs> hand touching during dances and like mm-hmm. you know right. you, there's some like gentle waist touching during dances not like grabbing but like 
encircling, you know, each other's waist with your hands and stuff. There's, you there's totally, that. You totally just made me realize why I love like Austin dancing scenes so much because you're <laughs> right. That's like the only time they get to touch. Yeah. The sexual oh. tension is through the roof. Yeah. Oh my God. I love the dancing scene so much. Ugh, can, big I, fan. can I say something about um, just like something I've noticed about all film adaptations of Jane Austen, which is like, I feel like a Jane Austen film adaptation trope is the close-up shot of hands it's like (laughs) there's always a close-up shot of hands like in Pride and Prejudice like when Mr. Darcy like hands Elizabeth into the carriage there's a close-up of his hand going like like freaking out and like like, you are so right like I just touched Elizabeth and then in this one there's so much hand (laughs) acting there's so much like uh there's like a close-up of where like um uh, Anne puts her hand in Captain Wentworth's. It's at the end. His white, you know, gloved hand. And oh. it's like close up of their hands connecting. That uh, was very uh, romantic. Oh. Close up of her hand gripping the chair. That's, uh, <laughs> yes, we know, I mean, we know what she wants to be gripping. <laughs> we, know oh. what she, we know what she thinks is in that hand. Um, and, and this is why I was shocked by it because I was like, really discombobbled like when we, when we, I was gonna watch it and I was like Allie which one are we watching like and I was like surely the 2007 one and Allie was like the 1995 one and I was like what and I because you know like like I'm sure like it's like a Gen Z young millennial would do right now where if they were gonna watch Emma for the first time they'd be like I'll watch the 2019 it's like right. no no watch the Gwyneth one so I'm curious Allie why did I um, choose that seen- one yeah, because I and I I loved it. I was blown away because I was like my expectations were lower because I was like I don't really recognize these actors. Nineteen ninety five, BBC, mm-hmm. which is like I was just like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to be if I'm going to be able to connect to it. And boy, did I connect mm. to it! So yes, Al, what what drew you to this adaptation? Yeah, I love it's it's only that I had seen it before and I loved it. Um, I saw it before and I loved it. I have not seen the Sally Hawkins version in 2005, but can I tell you guys some fun facts, uh, which all, uh, you know, what's so funny is this is, these fun facts are honestly insane facts. They're insane. (laughs) So the dress, the dress that, um, uh, Amanda Root is wearing, uh, in the scene, it's the scene where Captain Wentworth is writing that secret letter, like love letter Ugh. to her. She's wearing this kind of like sage dress with like a white collar. That exact dress is worn by Sally Hawkins in the 2005 movie version. And Wild. the house that they used to film in the 1995 version for where the Musgroves lived is the exact same house that they chose for the 2005 version where the Musgroves live. And so after like learning those fun facts, I'm like, do I really need to watch the 2005 one? (laughs) It kind of seems like they just ripped off the 1995 version. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I'm cockily talking about a movie I haven't seen and I will (laughs) probably watch it in the next couple of weeks and circle back and uh, either, you know, uh, scold myself or applaud myself. But uh, yeah, I didn't really feel... That reminds me of the, like, well, we just did a Spider-Man reboot, but now the guy who's Spider-Man is 26, so let's find some other 19-year-old and do the exact same Spider-Man reboot with the exact same premise. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Like, what what happened with Spider-Man, I will never understand. I will never understand. 
what they did. It's just there's like, so you know, many. There's just so many. If you pick a teenage character and then never let him grow up, like what's what's gonna happen? Yeah, keep getting another Toby Maguire every four years. I guess it's yeah. yeah. It was, and then the whole with the five year, the the missing two years in the Tom Holland one, they had to send him back. It was oh god. It was when they made everyone go back to high school. You know, I like the way they handled it. I thought it was funny, but I don't. You know, it's a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking about like the craziness in Spider Man and. I, I, What's interesting about these Jane Austen kind of film adaptations, and I'm about to spout a theory that I have not backed up with facts. Love that. Um, so just Speak on let, it. let people know this is a theory. There's no facts based on this. Well, there's some facts. But um, in Persuasion, this 1995 adaptation of Persuasion was the first kind of like um, one of the like first uh, of the 90s jane austen film adaptations there was an era you guys in the Mm -hmm. 90s where all of these jane austen adaptations were coming out and just to give you an idea of how quickly all of these adaptations were coming out um and who was played by amanda root in this adaptation was after she'd been cast in this she was also in the final audition rounds for Sense and Sensibility as Marianne. Oh, and this shit. Is the 1995 <laughs> adaptation of Sense and Sensibility, uh, directed by Ang Lee, uh, written by oh uh, Emma Thompson. Which so I, she was that is maybe my favorite to... Austin. Sorry. It's oh, so good. It is. Yeah, it's, it's so good. So, and I think it's, it's because I watch it a woman wrote the script. Because yes. Yes. <sighs> I agreed. Agreed. And yeah, also, agreed. Ang Lee is a phenomenal director. Like, you know, whatever. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so but funny. It's so well done. That she That's was so almost fun. in two Austin adaptations well, at the same time. You know, wait. And you know what else is crazy? I think that, I think, mm-hmm. okay, Sophie Thompson plays Mary in this. Is yes. she in yes, Emma? Yes, Mrs. Bates in Emma. She's Mrs. Bates yes. in Emma. And do you know also, who her sister is? Do you know who her sister is? Who? Who? Emma Thompson oh is her my sister. No! Sense and sensibility. Yes. Also, I am like it's I didn't connected. look this up, but I am like ninety percent sure that Louisa. No, who's the other sister? Who's the other Musgrove? Oh, the Queen Mother. Wait. Victoria no, Hamilton? I think no. The one of the Musgrove sisters, I think, also plays in the BBC Pride and Prejudice adaptation miniseries. Plays like yes. the Admiral's wife. Like the way longer, younger, super flirty wife. I'm like pretty sure it's the same actress. It's like oh, every single wait. British actor between 20 and 30. Oh my gosh, was it blonde or brunette sister or the um Louisa? The, who's the dumb one? Louisa. The first Louisa one to get married is the blonde one, and then the other one marries her. Like, like a, cousin. she's got like a little cute little fairy face. Right. Well, yeah, and I think that one's in the Crown. That one. Oh my god. Like, the Queen Mother in the Crown, which that was a hard adjustment for me. Was she's like sort of like the elder queen mother in the first like round of the crown so it was hard oh. for me to be like she's the young harlot here and mm-hmm. my brain couldn't do that math i was like i can't i can't do it henrietta it's hard henrietta. it's hard to like imprint on an actor when they're in their 60s then see them be like young and hot yeah yeah it is yeah it's like it's something with your it's like something in your brain won't allow it Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I oh. I wish I was a British actor, a classically trained British actor in the '90s. Because if you were, you were fucking working. You were, you were in oh all of God. these. You were in every all Shakespeare these, thing. All of yes. these Jane Austen adaptations. Because mm-hmm. oh, and this was the point I was making earlier, but I got distracted. Um, so they started with Persuasion, Persuasion, and then Sense and Sensibility were like the two kind of like first of these like 
Jane Austen adaptations. And then I wonder if they went through all of them. They were so popular that at the end of it, when they were like in the mid 2000s, they're like, what if we just started again with Persuasion and did another <laughs> whole round? Oh my God, you're right. And then they got to Pride and Prejudice in like 2009 or whatatever that was. Yes. Yeah. And then I guess 2005. Oh, really? you know, oh, no, maybe 2009. Well, you're right. I was saying 2005, but I could be wrong. I do not remember. I think you're totally right. Every 10 years, there's another round. Yeah. (laughs) Another round. They just start from the beginning again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And then Emma, you would be like, there's a gap, but not really because of Clueless. Or no, Clueless was before the original Emma. Clueless was before Gwyneth Paltrow. Yes. So. Love that you call it the original Emma. (laughs) (laughs) The Gwyneth Paltrow Emma. The real one. It's always hard. Because, yeah, I grew up watching the the Emma Thompson Sensibility and the Gwyneth Paltrow Emma. So Mm -hmm. I will always be like, that's the original Emma. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, another question for you guys is, are they, is her family as mean to her in the book (laughs) as they are in this movie? Oh, yes. Like, if not worse. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. They're so mean. They're so mean to a heroine. Yes, there's something I like about – I understand why they couldn't do it in the movie, but the book opens with, like, Sir Sir Walter Elliot, like, looking at this book of rich people in England, like, this Mm -hmm. book that, like, traces all of the wealthy landowning families down through the ages, and there's just these really funny lines about how just sort of, like, his entire personality is just that book. It's just, like, I am a rich guy, I am a – I was handsome at 20, and and that is the end of the personality that I need. And I was like, that is a rich person. You're so <laughs> right, Jane Austen. Yes. It's, yes. Yeah, he, like, he's obsessed with like his name being in this book. And like, uh, it, and he's like, yeah, it was very handsome. The, they touched upon this in the movie a little bit too, but it was like, it was um, the, it was Anne's mother, like, that was really, really lovely. And so it's kind right. of like, it's like, I think two of the sisters kind of, I think like one of the sisters kind of sided more with the dad and then Anne kind of sided more with her mom, mm. but then her mom passed away and it was like, Anne didn't have like, you know, that family member who's on her side in her corner anymore. She did have the, um, okay. I have a criticism of this movie, which is Let's that. Do it. Okay. Some of the casting is incredible. Some of the casting did not work for me. And I had a problem where the loving mom friend who gives her bad advice. Lady Russell. Lady Russell looked (laughs) way too much like the Admiral's wife. Sophie uh, and I oh, had there were Fiona scenes where I genuinely yes Fiona Shaw and there were scenes where I and they had the exact same haircut and wore the exact same outfits and there were scenes where I could not <laughs> tell which one was which. Yeah, that's fair. That's and fair. maybe it was I, intentional. I, no, that that makes sense too. If you don't have the um, like I have, she will Fiona Shaw will only ever be uh, what is her name, Mrs. Dursley. Mrs. Jersey as a Petunia. Petunia. <gasps> That's yeah, Petunia. That is. Right. So she'll She's I such a never, good actress, man. Yeah, yeah wow. Because she was so lovable her. in this. Yeah, like she and she's great in that. Like she's great in um Killing Eve. And she was in Zoom yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's the therapist, she's the therapist that rubs mm-hmm. lotion on her arms. <laughs> yes. And she's so great, but it's like I cannot similarly, I just like can't when someone plays like such a titular character so it was yeah so i didn't have that issue but i do now that you're now that you're bringing it up i am like wow they did both wear a lot of headscarves 
Yes, a lot of um, headscarves. They're both like yeah. short-haired, brown-haired women. But Which anyway, like usual. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah, I don't think that maybe is super historically accurate, but whatever. <laughs> um, but she did have Lady Russell, and I really liked their relationship in this movie where it was this sort of like, oh, you know, she gives Anne books and she takes her seriously as like Mm -hmm. a a brilliant mind. And she's like the one person in Anne's life who's like, you have something of worth to give. And so you could totally see why Anne would be like, oh, if you don't like this guy, I guess I won't marry him. Totally. Such a nuanced, like, situation. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. where normally I feel like, yeah, like, I don't, I mean, just Austin's like so smart, especially like to see like such a complex relationship represented at that time where you're like, yeah, you do, you totally see how that like came to be. And it's so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, like, that's has to be, I feel like so much of this like novel it, that was really captured in this adaptation is like, sometimes you grow up, you just have to accept that like your parents aren't that smart. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like they don't know that much. Yes, like bless you, like my parents who made me. I love you guys so much, and you guys are so 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 smart. But yes, like that moment (laughs) where you, everyone has a moment where where you where you sort of like get advice from your parents, and it's the first time that you're like, wait a minute, yeah, you guys are gods, yeah, exactly. You're not gods, and you don't know me better than I know me. Exactly. Yeah. And bl- and bless them for being like, yeah, we can do this. I can, yeah, I can answer this question for you. And it's like ho- both horrible and like very liberating to get to that point where you're like. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's scary. And it just happened to happen to Anne while she was, well, the, Amanda Root was like 32 when they filmed this, right? Yes. Which is very yes. cool to me that she's like an yeah. actual adult actress. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Can we yes. get into it? I thought Amanda Root was like such an appropriate choice. Here. She was like brilliantly cast i mm, thought right? she was incredible mm-hmm. she was so captivating i wrote down like her stressed eye acting <laughs> you know, just, like, yes. the giant eyes anxiety just like left right left right left right <laughs> just, like, yes this movie was full of hand acting and eye and eye, eye yes. acting <laughs> yes oh my gosh and it was just you could just tell it was like almost like a flea bag thing where it's like she was experiencing something that nobody around her was aware of. Mm, you know, just yes. watching her eyes like do that, you know, and, and just like everyone around her was like, do, do, do. And Amanda Roots just like grabbing chairs, like <laughs> 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 panting. Yeah, yeah, Ali, you mentioned that like in the book, a lot of Anne's stuff is internal. Yeah. And I read something about how like they really struggle to adapt this book because it's like Anne. If you just like do what's on the page, Anne is a super passive, like she doesn't say anything. She doesn't do yeah. that much. And like, I, I think like Amanda Root did just so much of the work. Obviously the script did a lot of work too, but she did so much work with the eye acting and the like. Yes. <laughs> well, what's so cool about Anne as like a character is that you look at all of Jane Austen's other characters and they're all like, kind of like, like you said, well, they're like proactive and Caitlin, like you said, like Anne's very reactive. Like mm. Anne is, and, and what's also interesting about Anne is she is Jane Austen's oldest heroine at 27, who is mm. like past, like, you know, her, her youthful bloom. And this was <laughs> the last book that Jane Austen wrote as well before she died. This book was actually oh. published after she died. Um, and this is just like a little kind of fun fact. And, and I promise I'll circle back to the movie, but the, 
Jane, I thought this was so interesting. Jane had the title. She never like clearly said like, this is the title. Um, but uh, she like kind of mentioned that she was thinking that the title was going to be the Elliot's. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was her brother that named the book um, Persuasion. Um, and he was the one that published it after she died. And um, he also, after publishing it, released her name to the public. So people knew who she was. <gasps> what a good oh brother! And Persuasion is a great name for it. I gotta give it, it up. A, I think Persuasion is a great name. Um, but yeah, it, it's Anne is such an interesting heroine because, yeah, most of what she's doing is kind of like and it's interesting because she's an older heroine. It's like kind of just supporting the people around her and being useful to the people around her and how that is heroic. Like that in itself is heroic. And my favorite scene is actually a montage in the movie. Is when I know what you're going to say. It's the best. Because it's the fucking It's so funny. funny. I wrote it down. Visit the, her like in-laws, the Musgroves. And, uh, Literally, like her sister is married to Charles Musgrove, and it's kind of like a challenging relationship where the two kind of butt heads a lot. Where her sister Mary doesn't really get along with the family, and the family doesn't really get along with her sister Mary, but everybody loves Anne, and Anne just spends like hours <laughs> listening to everybody complain about each other. And she just it has no lines, she just listens and nods as everybody talks, and she just plays therapist to everybody while they're talking, and it's so funny it was just like brilliantly executed and like none of that is in the book but it was such a brilliant <laughs> scene to add of people just being like and you must talk to charles while you're here he spoils the boys terribly <laughs> oh my god and then everyone's just saying how bad mary is with the boys and then yeah. Finally, yeah. does such a good thing when it cuts to mary there's like there's like there's like and there's like there's like a there's a little bit of that in the book but it's not like mm-hmm. so fleshed out like it is in the movie and <laughs> the the final scene is like you just see Anne and she's exhausted and she's just like <laughs> sprawled on the couch being like i just took so much like i was everyone's therapist i was just like <sighs> like 20 people's therapist um and i feel like sensitive girls know that feeling right of being like oh my god i just absorbed so much (laughs) (laughs) Yes. yes dude and it's these are so um in terms of this being like Right, like we're a rom-com podcast. We're, we're, we're calling Jane Austen sort of like one of the mothers of the rom-com. Like there's so much Richard Curtis to me here in these scenes. Um, mm. Like like there's so many funny games in this movie where it's like that was such a funny game of watching yes. her rotate and be therapist. Mary's, Mary's oh, yes. like <laughs> pretending to be – Mary's thinking she's sick and then as soon as she gets attention, her eating all the food. Yes, was yes that was so, so funny. So funny. I was cutting to loved. her watching her sister just like chomping down on the food. <laughs> I read uh, how um, they – like the director very deliberately was like, I want this to look like kind of dirty and we're going to do all the interior scenes with like natural light as much as possible. <laughs> and like people look sort of like funky and real. And I loved all this stuff at the Musgrove's cottage because it felt so yeah. – like real and warm and like ooh just like a big bickering cozy family. Yes. Oh my god, I no I adored it. And it was like it was such a fun world. And that's what's like so lovely about these novels too is it's like they often just like take place 
on like an estate or in this small chunk of land. And mm-hmm. it's so crazy that it's like they're just on their estate and like taking walks, but like there's so many things that happen. And again, Mary, I like cannot handle like Mary, like what a what a what a just like an OG like female like comedic role. Like I adore Truly. this. <laughs> when, when they're on the walk and like she's like sits down and is like, my seat is damp <laughs> and like eventually Anne has to take her damp Yeah, her. she's like, you should sit there. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Uh, so funny. God. I I saw a tweet one time that really sticks with me that was like, so Jane Austen is just like white people visiting each other's houses. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. You're right. It, it totally is. is. But it's but just so to, true. it's so true. But like, it was also like, it's not very progressive now. Like now it's like, oh my God, there's nothing progressive totally. about this. But, but at the time, like the fact it was like, the story was just about like women kind of talking with other women and like kind of walking around and like gossiping and mm-hmm. just visiting like living and, and living it was like so crazy progressive that like that was enough. Like that is that is enough to tell a story. And like and people like Anne, who, who you know, no, she's not like, you know, saving any children from a burning building, but like. <laughs> There is heroism in taking your sister's damp seat when she's complaining <laughs> just to prevent her from irritating other people that are around you. Like there is like a selfless heroism in that. And there's like Truly. a heroism in like your sister really wants to go to a party. So you'll take the tour, like the chore of like nursing her son. So your mm. like sister can go to the party. Mm-hmm. You're going to do that. And you're a hero for it. And it's small acts of, a heroism but um they're really what, good <laughs> like something that just really touches me and was like so well captured in this movie is that like that was Jane Austen like that was like yeah. she had she had like a relationship and she was engaged and it ended really sadly and she regretted it for the rest of her life and then <laughs> like at, she you know she lived with her sister and she took care of a friend of the family and she took care of other people's kids and was this like loving caring aunt and sister and like role yeah. model in all these other people's lives and it's so tempting to be like oh my god the greatest like romance writer of all time never found love but it's like no but what she had was this like quiet heroic life of like creating and writing and like caring for people and like having other people care for her and like yeah she just captures that in Anne so beautifully and something also I love about that and and what you said Kayleen too is like in in this book and in this film adaptation it's like people appreciate Anne for that like you see her get appreciated by Captain Wentworth. You see her getting appreciated by the Musgroves, like by Charles Musgrove, who's like, I wanted to marry you. Yeah. And now I'm Mr. My Sister and I love you. Yeah, and I still love you and I appreciate you. Yeah. And you see the point of view of society devaluating women like that for Mm. her family who are tied to like the old aristocracy and shallow things and you see them not understanding the value of a person like that. And it's so heartbreaking where you're like, this person is holding everybody together. Yeah. Um, I loved the moment where, like, the father and the sister were, like, taking leave of the grand house that they had gotten, like, kicked out of because of their debts. And the sister, like, turns to Anne and as an afterthought is like, oh, someone should visit every single house in the parish. Okay, bye. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. He's yeah. like, it's the Elliot way. Yes. But I'm not going to do it. No. That's for you to do, Anne. <laughs> You're not oh, the pretty one. Funny. Yes. Oh, my God. That was, <sighs> oh. It was, and there was pain watching Anne have to do like some of this emotional labor, like having to watch. What, what was the scene? I think it was when Mary and Mary's husband made Anne weigh in on which of the sisters oh. would marry. Yes. That was like, so heartbreaking. And she kept and just also, like sipping her soup, and they were like, ha 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 ha, Captain yeah. Wentworth. Dude, yes. And it's like, wow, like really, like. Oh my gosh, I can't, I just like, it, it truly blows my mind that in the 1800s, like Jane Austen could capture that experience of being around people who are just, and you're having an eternal experience. Yes, and like they totally. don't get it. And it, then, um, oh, well, well, please, please, please go. Uh, well, yeah, and like you were saying, just like the, 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 like, that someone would so closely examine relationships that are non-romantic and be like, these yeah. have so much value. Yeah. Yes. Like, like Anne and her sister's mother-in-law. Yes, <laughs> you know, that's yes. such an odd. Yes, totally. Yes, yeah. and we see it a lot. We see, we see a lot of their relationships. Yeah, well, Anne's, Anne's mother-in-law is more of a mother to her than uh, Lady Russell or her father. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, totally. and the way that she supports her and is kind to her, um, and like invites her to go to the theater with them, and. Yes. Oh yeah. my gosh. I know that's that's part of why the Musgroves were so comforting was like being elsewhere. Yeah. You're just like, oh my god, this normal person is not being valued, and then you're like, oh my god, totally. Nice yes, <laughs> it's such a relief to see someone be nice to Anne because by that point, it's like half an hour into the movie. Exactly, and you're so stressed out that it's going to be several hours. Of yes, like everybody hating a nice person. <laughs> and you know, I was really on the edge of my seat because I had heard, I had known ahead of time that this was her last novel. And I remember mm-hmm. read. I remember reading that she had gotten like more pessimistic or something, or a little more jaded in her perspective on things as like the books went on. So I was like, had yeah. no, I had no idea if there was going to be a happy ending or not, and I thought there wasn't. <gasps> oh, so I, really? I, the whole time was like, oh my god, is this just like a reflection? Is this just going to be like a really painful reflection <laughs> on on like like wrong choices? But then, so then when the ending happened, and really it was like. Fiona Shaw just like showed Anne without meaning to, you know, that you could be a different type of woman, you know, like when oh, she was yes. just like, when she was just yes. like, wait, so you lived on the boat and you traveled and her just being like, wait, I could live on a boat and travel. And then she ends up like living on the boat with her husband and just being like, yeah, she didn't fit in to where yeah. she was and what she was supposed to do. Yes. Um, yeah. And then she was given this other option. And I think it was like, what a, also like, what a beautiful point of view for Jane Austen who Right, well, like didn't fit in and, and took this path that wasn't really available to women. So yeah. it's interesting. I mean, like, Ali, correct me if this is not true, but like that I don't think that's in the book. <laughs> like, I think they added I mean they definitely like Sophie, the like Admiral's wife, is like barely in it, I think. <laughs> and she so- talks there's that there is the scene where it's like the men are talking and Captain Wentworth is like I don't want women on my boat. Oh, yeah. That's in it. I don't know if, like, she has that... Yeah, I think she... I don't know if she has, like, the same kind of focus in that dinner that she had. Like, she didn't have the same kind of focus in that dinner in the book as she did Mm -hmm. in the movie. It felt like that was really accentuated a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But I think she was like, yeah, I travel with my husband on the boat sometimes. Yeah, I think, yeah, okay. I think that they like took a little grain of something. I think this movie, yes, this movie did that in a couple places in a way that I thought was so smart and good where it was like, there was this little nugget of an idea and they were like, ooh, here's an emotional like crux. Like here's a chance for Anne to have like a, a, a window on another life. Right, right. Well, then, yeah, and that's also like the interesting point of an adaptation, which is, do you guys like that? Because sometimes mm. I forget what it was, but there was something we really enjoyed about one of the adaptations we watched, where it was something new that was added that felt really lovely. That it was like, oh, cr- cool! How how amazing that you like did the story justice, and then we're able to like put this new perspective in that was that was lovely. Yeah. So the, the, do you guys like it or is it not so much? Because I like it. Oh, I do. I do like it. Yeah. I do Good, like it okay. a lot. It is It is interesting too. like something that I liked that they did in this adaptation that I feel like, I mean, wasn't in the book because it was, uh, it uh, because in the book we hear what Anne is thinking, um, you know, is that there were quite a few scenes in the movie where we as an audience are alone with Anne who is alone. It's like mm-hmm. Anne is alone in a house. Anne is alone in her room and it's dark and there's no one else there. And it's just very quiet. Um, and yeah. I think like those moments, like it hits differently in the movie than I think reading. Cause even in reading, you know, I can, you can tell that Anne's lonely, but you're in her thoughts and she's always kind of like, you know, you can hear like what's going on in her head, but, just kind of like you can really hear the silences in the movie when there's mm. no one else around. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite kind of like, um, I laughed out loud, but it was like a sad laugh was, um, so Mary comes back from like hanging out with Captain Wentworth and like the two sisters are like sitting in the living room and Mary like so unfeelingly talks to Anne and she's like, oh, Captain Wentworth was talking about you. He oh. says that you're so altered that he wouldn't even recognize you anymore. And she's just kind oh. of like flipping through a book. Gut like, kind of like, And then you, there's a hard cut and Anne is alone in her room looking at oh. herself in the mirror. So disappointed. Yeah. Devastating. Oh that was that was some good ass filmmaking. That was some good, like, that moment was it. I think maybe, like, they mentioned, like, she looks in a mirror, but, like, seeing her looking in her mirror and, like, looking at her wrinkles being like, oh, my God. Yeah. I'm disgusting. I am 27. Sad thing. (laughs) I'm ancient. My bloom is gone. I'm a flower, but all the petals are gone. I am constantly They're constantly talking about lost bloom in this, which infuriates need to know yes as a as a woman in her 30s that makes me want to scream it just really upsets me and what can you do about it nothing but um, (laughs) nothing and i'm not gonna try (laughs) because i like looking like i do um very very hot and very hot and we're not flowers so we don't bloom yeah we are trees we're goddesses yes better and better (laughs) i okay obvious okay there are a lot of things i loved about this adaptation i'm going to take a little bit of a hop 
hot take here Let's and say, I think that they changed things that didn't need to be changed. Like, yeah. I think that they're I, – okay, it makes sense that this was one of the really early adaptations because there were points where they, like, rewrote lines I really loved in ways mm. that, like, did not necessarily really make them any more clear and made them, like, less – pretty um and i'm trying to think of specific examples like there oh god there's this line from the book that i'm obsessed with where there it's so funny and it's a moment where Anne like really shines and like becomes her witty new self is when they're at that concert and she's like translating the song for mr elliot um Mm. she's explaining it and she's like well like this is the sense of the song or maybe we should say the meaning because certainly we must not even talk about the sense of an italian love song and Mm. it's such a just like it's such a witty little thing and such a like fun window on that era where it's like oh these italian love songs you know it's just like (laughs) such a satisfying line and it's like character building and funny and they cut it out and i was like give Anne her moment like I understand you wrote new moments for her, but like, trust Austin. Like, there's a reason that these books have endured. Totally. That's such a great, I feel like that's such a great piece of advice for anyone who's going to remake (laughs) an Austin thing. It's just trust Austin. And when she says shit, like, um, yeah, like, like there's some stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when she writes, when she puts the line of dialogue that's like, everything I've read of your sex is that women are fickle, and the character responds, that's because it's all been written by men, perhaps. <laughs> she doesn't want this to be written by men. Anyways, blah, blah, blah. But yes, I love that. I love that, Caitlin Trust Austin. And yes, that's a, that, it is odd when people, like this isn't quite the same, but in Clueless, we're, we're talking about how Clueless, <laughs> um, Heckerling changed it from um, a brother-in-law relationship to a ex-stepbrother relationship where it's like oh that's just like a bizarre sort of muddying of the situation that was like totally not questionable before and now we're like okay is that okay probably but a little odd oh yeah i never thought about why did he make it a porn trope (laughs) i know it's like i was like oh i don't know if you needed that but yeah that that is a bummer that they would alter it in that way yeah or just like a little oh wait okay so okay Allie did you notice that they changed Fanny to Phoebe Fanny to Phoebe the dead sister of the one captain in the book is Fanny is it oh the girl oh yeah sure yes dead fiance yes and I'm pretty sure they did that because Fanny means pussy in British yeah, you're. That would make sense because if her name was Pussy and we were making a remake, <laughs> yeah, of like, yeah, you would, yeah, you would be. Like, but what about what about the character Fanny Price in Mansfield Park? They definitely kept her name Fanny. Maybe it's just <laughs> they too couldn't many. avoid. They just couldn't avoid that. They couldn't. <laughs> Change your name. Like, we can't have everybody named Fanny. <laughs> There's too many Fanny. The thing I is, would love if that was like an Austin bit. <laughs> that she was like, I know, I know what this means. She had She's a, like, just keeps naming a character pussy. Austin <laughs> had a a niece named Fanny, and that's Aww. why I know. That's, that's why cute. That's cute, but also how tragic. Her name oh, was yeah. Fanny. And uh, then but, she killed the character. She oh my god, the you're character? right. She's dead. Yeah. 
She's like a sad dead girl. Oh, I thought, yeah. yeah, but Fanny Price. Fanny Price. Lives. Fanny Price. Fanny yes. Price doesn't uh, die in Mansfield Park unless I did not read the book. <laughs> or or you didn't read Fanny the last chapter. <laughs> um, a, a random thought I have also is I, I adore this kind of stuff because I really appreciate it. It makes me feel like I returned to the 90s and I'm very comfortable. I loved all the fake candle uh, flickering. Did you guys oh, notice that? No, not no. at all. I totally <laughs> oh gosh, thought they were real. So, yeah. Oh, it's so, oh my gosh. Oh when my you God. go back, okay, watch. I'm pretty sure they're like very fake and large and it really <laughs> just made me feel so good. <laughs> this is me. Safe. And it seemed with the, just the shots of the pastoral country, just the sheep, you know, just like <sighs> really, we had like a lots of wide shots of the sheep and I love that. Mm-hmm. I could watch that honestly for half an hour straight, I think. Ooh, ooh, okay. Ooh, something I liked about this movie that I also <laughs> liked about the weird 2020 Emma adaptation is that they <laughs> both do this thing where they're like, isn't it interesting that these people's lives are completely built off the suffering of poor people and yet they are nowhere to be seen? And I feel like <laughs> they did some like fun stuff in this movie where it was like, and here's the footman cleaning up like the sister's tantrum or like, here's the tenant farmers being like, we haven't been paid in months. Like, yes. 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 Where like they're showing like a close up of their it. face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. For oh sure. my God. For fr- you go, you yeah. go. Oh, no, so you'd be like, yeah, her friend's situation was so sad. The friend who, like, couldn't move <gasps> around and oh, yeah. was, like, left with no money. But I love that they just made them, like, gossipy bunnies yeah. that were like, but that's okay because we talk mad shit. Like, well, <laughs> in, the, in the book, Mrs. Smith has an even bigger role. This was, like, bigger. a thing. This is a thing they took out, which was, like, very, like, I mean, I could, I could see why they, t- they took this out, but, like, Mr. Elliot was even worse and he like cheated Mrs. Smith's husband out of a lot of money and the reason why Mrs. Smith is so poor is because Mr. Elliot cheated her husband out of all this money and then uh, later in the book Captain Wentworth and Anne help Mrs. Smith get some of that remaining money from Mr. Elliot and like from um, from like Mrs. a Smith's property old, that he wasn't properties. selling, yeah, yeah. And oh they gosh. and together they help they help Mrs. Smith get money back. Yeah. And That's I was really, an I know I was really disappointed by that because like it also yeah it was like I wanted her to have her little arc and also mm-hmm. like it's 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 a much more like Mrs. Smith having a connection is much more powerful than her being like I heard on the street that he's a bad guy mm-hmm. you know yeah. yeah her having personal experience with it is makes more sense yeah and then she's even yeah like more relief like in the book when Anne's like oh I'm not interested in my cousin like Mrs. Smith is like thank god (laughs) (laughs) yeah how'd you feel about them cutting that it was an interesting choice it was I mean like I I understand that's like a movie and they have to like cut something so I I get like cutting cutting that but they I don't know it Mr. Elliot's really really evil they also kind of cut the fact that Mrs. Clay and Mr. Right. El- Elliot end up together. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I want to say something. I have something written down. Yes. <laughs> and I'm on I a podcast. Prepared. You gotta. <laughs> I prepared remarks. Um, so <laughs> I like 
really in okay in the book mrs clay is like a little bit devious and she's this like i think they use the word adventurous which then i looked up and it's like an adventurous was like (laughs) basically like austin times like regency slang for like uh like a skank like someone who's just sort of trying to like use her sexual wiles to get to the top of society yeah and I was like yes bitch yes Mrs. Clay like you marry Mr. Elliot like I go for it the word oily which I love I have no idea what that means but everyone kept like the oily Mrs. Clay yeah and so it was sort of an unusual choice that in the movie they were like oh she's just sort of this like sad nice lady Yes. Right. Who's like a little like naive and like um like carried along by the main mm-hmm. sister. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want more of that. Give me more like conniving psychos to oh. <laughs> backdrop around and yeah. you gotta yeah. w- have you watched Love and Friendship? No. No. Oh, you got it. Love and Friendship is based off of Jane Austen's un one of her unfinished books that Ooh. that they've like kind of released out uh into the public for people to read, but it's, it's considered unfinished and it's called um, the original titles, Lady Susan, but they recently adapted it into a movie called love and friendship um, starring Kate Beckinsale as a saucy widow who goes and flirts and like tries to um, get money. And like, she's known to like break up relationships. It's honestly like, incredibly progressive and makes me very because it's like an unlikable character like you think emma's like yeah. unlikable lady susan <laughs> is unlikable but also like you love her because she's so funny and smart and charming but she's also not a good person um and it honestly makes me really sad like watching the movie i i haven't read the i haven't read the book but um because it's like imagine the kind of books that Jane Austen would write when she was like like later on in her life like oh, when she, she was just, 60 and just like when didn't she was give 60 and did oh no fucks imagine the kind of like heroine she would write <gasps> um, and oh. I like she was starting to get some serious money like if she could have just sat around writing all day instead of having to like live in other people's houses like yeah <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, she really could have just like gotten like her yeah, her daily schedule gone. And like wow. Not to go back to Virginia Woolf, but like Austin makes me think all the time of like, God, like all of the riches that we could have had in Western society if women had been able to make money for their art, you know? Oh my god. Wow, uh, that's yeah. such an amazing point. Because so much of it yeah. was done in secret and like yes. Or like at 8 p.m. by the fire after the kids are in bed, you can finally like work on your novel, you know? Yeah. Yeah, didn't Virginia Woolf like have that whole kind of, I don't know if it was like an essay, but it was like, what if Shakespeare had like a sister? Mm -hmm. Um, And like she, you know, had the exact same talent as Shakespeare, the exact same everything, but she had to be a woman. And then like she paints like the picture of what it would be like if a woman had Shakespeare's talent. Mm -hmm. And it was like, she would have no fucking chance. (laughs) She would like, she'd have no fucking chance because of like the duty she would have to be because she's a woman, like she'd have to get married and like probably would die in childbirth before <laughs> she could even finish her first play. Um, mm-hmm. And oh she wouldn't God. get educated and she would be too busy cooking and cleaning all day. And she has no leisurely 
no leisure time. I'll right. look up this. I'll look this up and have a for the next episode. Me and I'll have like a, yeah, have a I'll know the name up. of it um, instead of just right. poorly paraphrasing. That I, <laughs> I do so that much. I read in high school. <laughs> I do a lot of poorly paraphrasing Virginia Woolf in my life. <laughs> oh, same. I took a class that was full on Virginia Woolf novels that like I don't. Like, I don't recall, and I will speak on. (laughs) I know they go to the lighthouse at some point. (laughs) I know there's, like, a lot of Harry Potter names in her stuff. Oh, yeah. Like, Hermione and Neville Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But, um, and it also, like, how tragic. Also, I mean, and it's it's great because we're now living in a time that is changing, but it's also so tragic that it's, like, that's so true. Like, what if women were compensated for their art and then they remit they adapt all of this stuff and so much of it is by men yeah and that's not that long ago and you're like oh my god like and nothing this has changed white woman like <laughs> like when you think about like what if all the people were fucking enslaved could it's just like it's just as a person who just really loves art and literature and gets fucking yeah. stoked on them it just when i think about like the horrible losses that we've had of genius it just makes me so upset Totally. Totally. And I'm too invested. The what? I'm just too invested. (laughs) I'm going off tonight, ladies. No, I haven't been in a podcast in three months. I wish, I wish there was more. I yeah, we could have had like five different kinds of persuasion if we had, you know, just. There, there just wasn't as much people putting other people down. If it wasn't for white men, (laughs) (laughs) we can all agree. And I'm really looking forward to like the future, yeah, the future um, adaptations of art by people who like share that identity group and like understand it in a specific way. And not to say that like men can't, it's just that it can't all be men. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Why do women's stories, men's stories have to be men and then also women's stories have to be men? Yeah. I just can't. Oh, I just can't all be that way. But mm-hmm. um, and I and I do love this adaptation, but it's just it's the principle of it that's fascinating. Yes. Um, you know, you guys, we have brought up a lot of things we like about this adaptation. Some things that frustrate us, but we like to end uh, our movie discussion by counting up all the familiar rom-com tropes that we spotted. But for Austin August, are there any particular Austin tropes that we spotted as well? hand hand touching was a huge one great great point and now i'm gonna see Mm -hmm. that every time oh my gosh i have um these are okay so these are just like some new ones that um i i spotted that um i think we're also in pride and prejudice but i'm now seeing more patterns of them um i have in jane austen adaptations there's always a giant ham on the table (laughs) that people are eating (laughs) There was You're a so right. there was a huge ham on the table, like distracting. Like the hams are distracting. I was like, oh, how? Where are these giant hams coming from? But there was one in Pride and Prejudice, and there was a huge ham here as well mm. on the table. Um, I have honking white geese. There's always like <laughs> of like just like geese, like ups, like when the uh, when the young boy like got injured, they were just honking white geese. And, when like Elizabeth refuses Mr. Collins, they're just a bunch of honking white geese um, or ducks or whatever. They're birds. Another one that we've mentioned before is that uh, the heroines are always going on trips, always going on trips um, in this. And so went to 
girls trips and this uh and went to lime mm-hmm. um and then went to bath um i have kind of snooty uh like uh or like um high class uh people who are actually fools or idiots mm-hmm. uh we haven't talked about lady dalrymple oh, yet lady dalrymple uh, Dal- <laughs> what a lady dalrymple is a real dud uh there's a really fun scene where the Elliots get introduced to Lady Dalrymple, their cousin. Um, and she's just, there's such an awkward silence and it's just so um, demeaning. Um, <laughs> she's just empty inside. It's perfect. So like a, a husk of a person with so much makeup on. <laughs> um, I, I have charming, uh, a charming man who's really bad. Um, it's kind of like the good on paper guy, but in Jane Austen's novels, there's always like, uh, uh, charming on the outside, dud on the inside, and that's uh, Mr. Elliot. Mm-hmm. But it's all, oh yeah, it totally is. It's um, who's that guy in Persuasion? Um, Mr. Or Wickham. sorry, in uh, uh, yes, Wickham in Pride and Prejudice. Wickham in Pride and Prejudice. Sense of sensibility. There's that guy who's engaged to another girl. Right, exactly. There's always Willoughby. 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 There's always um, that. yeah. Frank Churchill. Oh, but then exactly. he turns out to be a sweetie, sort of. Does kind he? of, yeah. Kind of. Isn't he yeah. the one who marries Jane Fairfax? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but he's yeah. like, remember he did that thing where he like left to go get a haircut and then like oh, that fucking haircut. You're right. You're right. Oh, that haircut. <laughs> Poor Jane. And then. <laughs> um, and he's kind of like mean to like. He's like, um. I know, I know that we, you know, aren't talking about the 2020 version of um, <laughs> Emma, but I will bring up the person they cast as Frank Churchill in that uh, really like threw me for a loop because he's like kind of like just a douchebag and there's no charm to him whatsoever. Yes, I was like, why would anyone like this guy? This mm-hmm. no one would like this guy. Not even Emma would like this. Why guy. Why is Jane Fairfax with him? She's like the smartest, uh, <laughs> like most talented person in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so crazy. Um, but uh, yeah. What about you guys? What did you spot any tropes that you're like? These are so Jane. Yeah. I have like evil slash slutty sister. <laughs> so there's just like <laughs> a bad yes. sister. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Why do I have this written down? I I have you read. Oh, I know why. Okay. I wrote down, <laughs> I wrote down you read fiction books? Question mark exclamation point. Oh yes, and honey. Because her and Mr. Benick are like. You like poetry? Like, <laughs> just have that classic rom-com trope of like, we yeah. love the same thing. Um, I have a meet cute with Mr. Elliot where, um, yeah. and I sort of do a hybrid of rom-com and Austin trips, but they have a meet cute where they sort of are just like bumping into each other in line. Um, and then I've got like the absent father. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've got the absent father. There's always just sort of like emotionally removed father, but he's just like a sort of asshole in here. Oh, you know what I've noticed too? Like the dear travel friend, where it's like in Pride and Prejudice, Lizzie makes a friend when they're staying on Catherine DeBorg's estate. She like makes friends with that guy who then like tells her about. Like, oh, the friend and- of Mr. Darcy. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Fitzwilliam? Yes. Fitzwilliam. Ooh, I love Fitzwilliam. Right? Fitzwilliam, There's I like- need you. <laughs> So it's like they make these like random friends uh, that are confident. Yeah. So that's uh, Mr. Bennett here. Um, you got long walks in the country. 
long walks. I had long, long walks, walks too. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like I like. Oh, at one point, Anne said I like to walk. So that's manic pixie Anne. Um, <laughs> like no, I like to walk, which is also in every rom com. It's like should we get a cab? And they're like, I want to walk home. In the oh, walk. You know, yes, totally. You're yes, so right. Yes. right. Okay. And one of the reasons I love Northanger Abbey is Catherine Moreland is like, I'm not fucking walking. Like I'm not getting my hat wet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like, oh my gosh, what a, that's like what a fun reversal. Yeah. Um, Oh, and then people getting cut off before saying very important things. Ugh. Where it's like, he's about to be like, and oh, I yeah. must tell you. And it's like, we can't finish the sentence. Um, and then the poor to do friend. You know, here it's Mrs. Smith, there's Mrs. Bates, there's mm. like, uh, there's the, who, who, who marries Mr. Collins? I always uh, forget her name. Charlotte. Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte. there's always just sort of like a less fortunate friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I have. Caitlin, did you have any emails? Um, I had heroines go for long walks, um, mm-hmm. but I mm-hmm. also have, okay, so there's a real duality of sisters in Austin because I also had sisters and the only people you can trust, um, mm. because I feel like there was like between the, um, like there was a classic Austin sister relationship with the Musgrove sisters where they were like, yeah. they bicker a little, but they love each other and they like kind of save each other from making mistakes. And yes, absolutely. Um, and then I feel like uh, the school friend is kind of Anne's proxy sister where it's yeah. like she's the only one you can really trust. Like even the man that you are in love with and who's going to save you, like you can't quite trust him, but you can always trust your sister. Exactly. Um, and I also wrote down bath bath will save you. Like I feel like <laughs> yes. there's a little bit of an Austin yeah. trope where it's like if you could just get to the big city, you'll yeah. you're gonna be okay if you could just get to Bath. Yeah. No, that's so that's so true. And that's also like oddly in like that movie The Duchess where it's like she can have like a good time in Bath as well. There's something about Bath. There's something about Bath. When I went to England, I went to Bath and I was like, I get it. This is fun. Is it fun? It's really fun. <laughs> I, just, I honestly, I only went because I'm such a fucking Austin dork, Dude. and I oh. really loved it. I was just, I, I yeah, I was just listening to Mindy Driver me? talk about um, where is she? She's not in the Cotswolds, but she's like in another like southern English place that I've, mm. and, and I was like, oh my god, am I gonna go to England? Like I was like, is that really what I'm gonna do? Because listening, I'm just like obsessed with British culture. I did such a classic American bullshit. Okay, well, I made a pretext for it by like doing a show there. But then I just like <laughs> wandered around the countryside and like in my wellies and like, yes, I went, oh. like <laughs> that's what it's, it's weird. It's like I got this. Yeah, I've got like a weird like yen for British stuff. Yeah, I want to go. I It's not the Cotswolds, but it's like a, a coastal British thing. Does that make does that Brighton? No, it's it's another like sea I think thing. It's not the oh, Cornwall. It's like is the, it Cornwall? Cornwall. She's in Cornwall. Yes. Cornwall. Mm, oh. Where they make the pasties. Yeah, <laughs> Cornish, cor- yes, Cornish pasties. Um, I went to bath. Oh, I went to bath once, and it was like, you guys, it was like something fucking out of a Jane Austen novel. I went to bath with my mom, and we were we were like walking around, and we stumbled 
upon a circus <laughs> like they do in this movie. Oh we my god, that circus parade <laughs> oh my god. was so bizarre. <laughs> we were walking along the path and we just stumbled upon this old, like, um, steam powered circus so like all of their stuff was like powered by steam and there are all these vintage signs and all of these like antique like uh carousels and like games and uh it was i think bath is a magical place and there's also a jane austen museum there which we of course went to um, so, um and we bought a lot of books um so yeah it's very beautiful and cool and fun uh, um i also oh it's a little is, loud Mia? What? Are you there? Yeah. Are you there? Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Did you did you just crumple some paper? <laughs> <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Putting on a sweatshirt and trying so hard to not, oh. not <laughs> trying so hard to not knock my AirPods out in case it stopped the recording. So I did oh. do some weird maneuvering. <laughs> we just was like quiet, quiet, quiet. No, as you were, as uh, you were. Mm. Um, but uh, I have I just thought of a couple more um, tropes really quick um, one is there's like an invalid relative who always thinks that they're sick right. um, I'm yes. yeah, Mary. or the yes. mother in uh, Pride and Prejudice yes yeah. exactly and this it's Mary and it's just I love the invalid like the fake invalid is yes. such a funny trope um, it was really really funny um, and then oh god Allie what was it it was right was it, there was it dead parent Allie because now I'm seeing dead parent mm. No, but that's great. Sense and sensibility. Well, it's like in almost every rom com, and then now it's like sense sensibility. It's in um, every Disney movie. Why right? do we need a dead parent for and personal in lots growth? Of sitcoms. I don't know. I don't know. And it's such it a dramatic. It's piece. it's like lazy writing. It's like the <laughs> not that Jane Austen. It's a lazy writer. She's well, not. Well. She invented it, but it gives your character like an immediate challenge or mm. like an immediate like depth and like something you know something to overcome. There's yeah. always just like, it's like a. In Jane Austen times, underdog. people were also just like dying a lot. So Maybe it's, like, yeah. that's also part of it. Is right? that it was pretty realistic? Just, like, dying a lot during that period of time. Now I'm not so sure, but it could be like a weird vestige from that time. <laughs> like they just were like, I guess this is what we do in storytelling. It's like, oh my I don't god, know, like, yes. Jane Austen died really young. People just like didn't live very long then. And now writers are like, oh wait a minute, when one parent is dead, my character <laughs> immediately has something to overcome. Yeah. Oh my god, I think we just solved why. We did. Thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then Alex, I never remembered. Remember- the last yep. one. Mm-hmm. It's um there's a ball, but what was so great about in the ball is general, but there's dancing. And what's so funny oh and incredible about the dancing and persuasion is that in it our heroine is technically thought of as too old to dance, and it's so fucking sad and so yes. funny. But like like they're like it's like there's a big dinner at the Musgroves and um and you know, it's like time for dancing. And um, people are like, oh, Anne doesn't dance. Anne plays the piano. Mm-hmm. And and like you can see it in her eyes because there's more great eye acting. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I do. I do like to dance, but I guess I'll play the piano because I'm the only one who can. And other people deserve to have fun. And, and I'll like, and then you see go to the stool. It's such a good moment of like a harmony between them, too, because you see it in his eyes where he's like, yeah. And doesn't dance anymore. So oh. me. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Right. I remember when Anne danced. 
<laughs> oh my god it's true it's true also how freaking offensive that a 27 year old woman can't is too old to dance but like oh god the admiral's not like okay Wait, he's leaping yeah. around out there fucking fuck it yeah. all but um but you guys that takes us to 21 austin tropes which makes sense yeah it, it was your last sort of official novel so that makes sense lots of tropes lots of austin lots of austin things happening she okay, was now. in the groove she was in the groove, and now that we've we've um, put our peepers on those tropes, it's time to rate this Austin adaptation. As of now, we have placed Joe Wright's adaptation. Did we? Oh my god, I forgot we did. We placed. We, we did. So salty. As of now, we have placed Joe Wright's adaptation of Pride and Prejudice in the number one slot. And Amy, okay, I'm just gonna pop in really fast, and I know Mia's really salty because <laughs> me and I almost never fight on this podcast we we never fight. Wow. okay we, we never fight but we did fight about this decision and i decision. and i and i want to the only concession i want to give is that and i feel like i wasn't fair about this was that with clueless um and it is really hard to do a modern adaptation and yes. clueless deserves points extra points mm-hmm. for being a really really good modern adaptation um absolutely and i want to i want to just i don't feel like i and it's much harder to do and the fact that it's it's harder to do and they did a good job is like you know hats off to amy heckerling she did leave out the most crucial scene in the book and i maintain that she did include it it just wasn't very good and that's, that's sort of where the fight <laughs> and that's uh, yeah I agree to disagree and, and that's the whole argument resolution for you guys yeah. so, <laughs> could, I, could I just I, mommy and mommy I don't want you to fight and can I just interject that I yeah. just looked up the Joe Wright Pride and Prejudice and the script was um, written initially at least by a woman oh that's right Deborah Maga, Maga. De- Deborah Maga, Deborah Maga. That's right. That's right. Deborah Maga. And I was just, it. Yeah, yeah. That's just throwing it out there. Yeah, there's something. The thing that me and I are both salty about mm. with the Joe Wright Pride and Prejudice version is that Joe Wright hadn't read Pride and Prejudice before <gasps> they attached him. To you Zack Snyder motherfucker. Right. Oh. Or they just gave him the job. He was given the job. They and just then gave he read him. The book. Yes, and all. And kind of just to throw a little bit more salt in that wound that I opened up for you, Caitlin, yeah. is that he also, this was his first feature that he ever directed as well. Right. Fucking, yeah. oh my God. Right. And that, Could you like, get yeah. a better symbol for what <laughs> happens to white men in this world? Exactly, exactly. And it's, mm-hmm. just, it's, just, a, mm-hmm. it's just a lot. And, it's, and it, you know what, and it, you know, it is what it is, but that's not, we're not going to judge. no. Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice or Amy Heckerling's Clueless No, which is, and that's the order that they're currently in. Number one, the Pride and Prejudice, Joe Wright. Number two, Clueless Amy Heckerling. But where do we think Dear Michelle's adaptation of Persuasion falls in the list? Mm. Of those two so far. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just a ranking of the three. I want to put it first Mm. is my instinct. Because because of Amanda Root. I'm upset. With her at a wow. her, her portrayal of the character, I think is like you know I've never read Persuasion though, so I can't have too big of a dog in this fight. But um, yeah, it's I'm like having I, a, I'm having a hard time thinking of it as a movie separate from what might be my favorite Austin novel. Yeah, yes, Persuasion is my favorite Austin novel. Wait, both oh, of your favorite Persuasion. 
No, I yeah. guess it's maybe sense and sensibility. I don't know. Oh, right, right, right. That's hard. I know. And you don't even have to necessarily. I mean, if we all it's... are have the instinct to put it first. Um, um, we don't. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it first. I I think, well, here's the thing. And um, it's so funny because I'm, I'm so sorry, Mia. I'm literally contradicting what I said last time. But <laughs> I... Is I'm contradicting everything I said last time. I'm okay. such a fickle person. I, <laughs> the, I, I, what I do like about Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice is there is some like, like extra beauty in it. Like mm. he really like milks those pastoral like, like big wide shots, and you can tell that movie has a lot of money in it, and the money makes a difference. It looks oh fucking God. good. You guys, um, this is this is so funny. I am such a sad person. All I want is more BBC sheep shots. I don't want any I, of the it, Joe Wright. Mia's shots. like <laughs> Mia's like I like the dirty wrinkly clothes. I like the I like the dim, fake ass candles. I like the fake candles. Me? I like and honestly, I like the dim dim scenes like that every, you can't like even. Everybody loves the Joe Wright Pride and Prejudice, and I could never watch it again and be happy. And I just want to watch the BBC television. I, I Shut love the BBC what? television version. I like it better. What's wrong? You, like, you guys, what? Like oh my god! Like, oh, yeah. When they're like, it's so stunning. The shot's so stunning, and I was like, I don't. I just don't care. He's <laughs> like, it's too beautiful for me. I have this problem with Star Trek, which is my other great love in fiction, wow. which is like, I want '90s Star Trek. I don't want J.J. Abrams lens flares, big budget. I want like, I remember that exact same alien makeup from six episodes ago, but you're pretending it's a different alien because you don't have the budget for a new like <laughs> head ridge. Maybe it's a nostalgia thing. I do maybe, think that the, the maybe B- maybe I do think that this version sort of reminds me of like the BBC Chronicles of N- Narnia. What's mm-hmm. it called? Is that the right? Is that what that's called? Um, it reminds yeah, me. Yeah, like, I watched that when I was sick as a kid. Exactly, and I think it yeah. takes me back to like that. So it's like <laughs> weirdly. So I think that's what's happening with me. I don't know. Sorry, you guys know oh my, my God. Where, where do you guys think you should go? Mia wants it number one. Oh my God. I just was not expecting that at all. Um, she wants us really, to agree really badly. I know she does. And I feel bad because last week I I won. You know what I mean? Like I won the argument between us. And I was like, Mia, Clueless is no, not going to be number one over like, my it's, dead body. It's so comical that like, you've come to a point where I'm arguing. Oh my God. Like, the 1995 BBC persuasion. I don't even care if I lose. I'm just you like, haven't. You haven't read the book, so I'm not going to take it too seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know that's so petty of me. Um, <laughs> um, persuasion, Clueless, Pride and Pride. Okay. <laughs> Okay, oh my gosh! I'm obviously like I. Obviously I would put like it as having a moment. <laughs> man, I would. Okay, you're right. You're right in that Amanda Root is incredible yeah. in this, and I honestly, like, I haven't seen any. Like, I should watch the Sally Hawkins to see how she does, but like. Dakota Johnson, I know, mm. will not come close because Dakota Johnson is very beautiful, and um, yeah, you I don't know, I don't think she's ever known true sadness and yeah. loneliness. Yeah, because she grew up fucking rich. She's Don Johnson's yeah. daughter. She she can't yeah. be Anne Elliot. I'm sorry. She, she had, thank you, thank you. She's There's not. No, like, she can't. A beautiful, like 
tropical theme like sort of yard garden home that I saw in a magazine. You uh, can't yeah, that be. sounds right. You can't, you can't be. be Anne Elliot. <sighs> um this is okay. I'm gonna do something a little bit wild because I'm finding it so impossible to compare these movies. So yeah. what I'm gonna do <laughs> what I'm gonna do is rank them. This is so hard. I'm going to rank them in terms of emotional satisfaction that I felt at the end of the movie. Oh, that's great. And I'm going to go Clueless Persuasion, Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, I saw Persuasion a really long time ago, and I haven't seen it since I was in college. And I was not in the right frame of mind in college for it. So I think I just sort of remember being like, that was really pretty and I don't have any particular feelings about it. And Clueless, I just, it took me on a fucking journey. It's so funny. The script is so funny. It's such a clever adaptation. And then this just struck like a really lovely balance of like, like low budget BBC (laughs) and like clever directing choices, but also like some kind of stupid adaptation script choices. It was very sort of like middle for me. Yeah. Wow. Middle of okay, those two. Well, but Pride and right Prejudice now, is also a fucking phenomenal movie. So these are three tremendously great films. <laughs> I I feel like I'm Mr. Elliot, the the head of the Elliot family, not the cousin, the head of the Elliot family in Bath right now. And you guys are Anne coming up to me saying, I love Mrs. Smith. I'm gonna go visit Mrs. Smith. And I'm like, Mrs. Smith? Clueless and persuasion. Really, you you have the most extraordinary taste. (laughs) Clueless and persuasion. When we can go watch Pride and Prejudice, we got an invitation from Lady Dalrymple from Pride and Prejudice, and you want to watch Clueless and Persuasion? (laughs) Yeah, it's low budget. Absolutely. You're right that Judy Dench is in Pride and Prejudice. This is this is hard. This is really hard. Um, I mean, what's shocking to me is how not hard it is for me, and not wow. Think about (laughs) wow. Address for me. For me, it's I. I would I would rank it Pride and Prejudice. Go ahead. Persuasion, clueless is what I would rank it. Oh my god, that's what I. Wow, three completely different pitches. Completely different. Wait, how will we, you guys? I don't know how to. I don't know how to resolve this conflict. I think uh, here's how I'm. This is my. Pitch. My pitch is that um, we will uh, that we will leave flexibility in this list. <laughs> so if uh, Morg has come on later and I can get more people in the Joe Wright Pride and Prejudice Wait. camp, then I'm going to push it back up okay. to where it belongs. And like which maybe is, maybe tonight uh, I'm going to watch Pride and Prejudice and then I'm going to text you and change my opinion. Okay, it's possible. Call, yeah, and no pressure to tonight, but whenever you watch it, text us and we'll mm-hmm. update it. We'll update okay. on the on the pod. Cuz okay. yeah. Cuz I'm yeah, I feel really lukewarm about that adaptation for some reason. I sort of like never need to see it again and I don't know why. Um, but I'm, oh I'll my god! Watch I watch it. <laughs> I watch that movie three times every year. I'm just That's so with the shocked. BBC version. I watch it every yeah. year. I mean, I mean, I felt so comforted just all, like how long we spent on the seat at the beginning of the movie before it started. Mm. I was like, oh, I know what this is. <laughs> I get this vibe. Mm-hmm. And then uh, geese. <laughs> <laughs> um, is this our first uh, or are we 
Oh gosh. I mean, I we could be we could meet in the middle at Caitlin's where it's yeah. I think so. Pride and Prejudice. Oh my gosh, though that's hard on Pride and Prejudice, guys. I I I think you might have to break your own rules. Okay, or we could do we could do two camps, and we could do Allie's list, my list, and then see what what happens next week. I'm I'm interested to hear how that develops. Okay. Yeah, let's do. We'll do persuasion, clueless, pride and prejudice, and I will. The next recording we do have the caveat that like we can push pride and prejudice back up because I think it. Yeah, I think Joe Wright's pride and prejudice deserves better right. than that. You just got. Um, you, yeah, but, you, you just got a little a little strong armed in this set, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> But, but to be honest, I strong-armed Mia last week, so I deserve this. Wow. I deserve exactly. this. Let that be a lesson to you. Don't give in Let's to all. persuasion. Don't go. Wow. We did well, it. With, okay, we did, we did that. It. Wow. And with that bit of reality, it is time for our final segment, Reality Check. Uh, and in this segment, we'd like to test out the tropes and plot devices and the rom-coms we've just watched to see up to see if they hold up in the real world. A plot device we see in a lot of Austin movies is that of the high-class fool. Mm-hmm. We see this in Pride and Prejudice with Lady Catherine the Bug, um, and in Persuasion with Lady Dalrymple. I'd argue we see it in Emma with Mrs. Elton. Um, but has this happened to us in real life? <laughs> Have we ever encountered a high-class fool? Oh, yes. Oh, can't wait to hear yes. it. Well, um, I can... You, you I, I can... I'll I'll start off and um I will name names because <laughs> oh, I kind of have to. I was in a trendy coffee shop in West Hollywood yes. called West Hollywood or was it Beverly Hills? It was like on that cusp, you know what I mean? Um people in LA will, will know what I mean. Uh it's called Verve and I was in Verve <laughs> um ordering and I was I was working there um and who walks in but Sean Mendes? <laughs> The singer, okay. uh, known for um, lots of popular songs that I can't think of Ooh, right now. Is he like um, a Disney Channel guy? John Mendes. No, I'll say it. Let me. He's like the one. I'll, I'll, I'm looking it up right now so I can no, actually like, say. Yeah, he. I, I know what you mean because he's famous. I know that he's famous, but he's like, I guess, like after I stopped remembering pop art, like he's yes. a pop artist. Exactly. Like, exactly. Right. This yeah. is like whenever someone says the words Rita Ora, and I'm like, I know that's yeah. a person. Or like Camilla, <laughs> Camilla Cabello, and I'm like, I sure. don't know. This yeah. is You're like, He's yeah, known for this song, um, Stitches. Um, um, Stitches. That's an okay song. Yep, sure. That's it, exactly. He has 61 oh. million followers on Instagram. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just to like paint a, a just to paint a picture. Um, so he walks in and I was like, oh my God, that's Sean Mendes. Wow, so handsome. I hope he notices me working really hard on my computer in the corner <laughs> over here. He's so he's he's like oh, such a he's famous, high class guy. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, I hope he notices me. Oh, I hope he flirts with me. I look cute today. I'm wearing a really cute top. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Uh he's gotta be so smart and cool and awesome. And he goes up to the barista and he says, not hi, not, you know, how are you? He just goes, I need an oat milk latte. <laughs> okay. And I immediately um, was like, oh, my God. Well, 
not just so like such like no one ever needs an oat milk latte. <laughs> no one should ever order food with a I need avocado toast. It's more like, oh, may I have? I would like. I would want. Um, I'd be interested in, but need? No, you do not need an oat milk latte. <laughs> um, and this poor person is getting paid not very well. And you're just like treating them as a servant and you have no, um, you know, class. And maybe I caught him on a bad day, but I don't think so. It looks like he was doing pretty well. So um, <laughs> that's when I learned, you know, you, you, you don't always have it all together. When a high you're class fool. A high class fool. High class fool. Classic. Classic. That's oh, what it. Oh, it's so satisfying for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, but what about what about you guys? Have you ever encountered any? Mine are mostly just like depressing societal ones, where it's just, like, <laughs> oh my god, so many wealthy people in power. It's like absolutely so dumb, and it's just like sad, and there's nothing to be done about it. So that's more where I'm at. Or like, <laughs> I just obviously I watch a lot of reality TV, so like. <laughs> There's so many like wealthy people who are very, very foolish. And then, yeah, I every just, one of the real housewives. The what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Every one of the real housewives. Exactly. And then, yeah. And then in personal life, yeah, I just also, yes, I do. I can't, I'm not, I'm not prepared to name names, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm also not prepared to name names, but high class fool makes me think of when I worked at a gymbury and I was teaching like baby, oh. like baby play classes and like mommy and me classes. And there was this incredibly stark divide between the nannies who were like working women, a lot of them were older and had had kids, like knew everything about babies, knew exactly what they were doing, like knew how to keep that kid safe. And these, it was on the West side and it was the richest, most uh, (laughs) non-functioning people. And I felt this like great I felt this great tenderness towards these women who would just sort of say these absolutely outrageous, these like rich women who had just never had to do a chore in their lives. And they would just like pick up a toy and be like, do kids like balls? (laughs) And they would be like, oh Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh my God, Evie, like you just don't know anything. (laughs) Or they would be like, so do you, do you live out here in West Hollywood? And they'd be like, well, no, sweetie, because I make $9 an hour. Like, <laughs> how could I live? No. And we just had this very, and they would like have me over to babysit at their houses and leave out these expensive dinners for me and just wow. sort of be like, they just sort of didn't know anything about how it was this very Elliot thing where it was sort of like, oh, you just don't know how, for me and the nannies, like, you don't know anything about how our lives are because yeah. you have never known not lived in a house in Bel Air. (laughs) And you're just, you're like really doing your best, but you just don't know anything about how the world works. And they were high class fools and God bless them. I sort of loved them. Yes. Yes. There's such a divide there. Eating sorbet all day and long like the (laughs) Elliot's do. Yes. And it's like, 
you're you're bleeding money right yes, now. Yes, eating sorbet out of a frozen swan. And I would be like, I swan. treated myself to Panda Express at the mall food court today at this mall that I work in, and that is the most money I can spend on food this week <laughs> because I yeah. they don't pay me enough at this gymbury. I have four roommates. Oh, oh my god! Oh, yes. oh, god bless him. I loved them. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing too is you sort of like a you're like have yeah, it's a different kind of tragedy where it's exactly. like, where it's like you have everything yet you have nothing at the same time. E- yes. Yeah. If I if I if I took away your credit card and just like left you in a small town, <laughs> you would die. <laughs> and I love you and I treasure you. Exactly. Because there's like something endearing about it too. Because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you don't know. Like there's something like very, yeah, it's so, it's such an interesting archetype. Mm. Um, yes. Well, mm. you guys, sadly, tragically, wistfully, I hate to do this, but that uh, concludes our Austin August Persuasion episode. Oh, um, it was such a delight to share it with you. Was such a joy. I'm so I'm so grateful for the conversations and the and the raucous debate <laughs> over, oh, yeah. over the ranking. Um, and Caitlin, thank you so much for joining us um, and coming oh on gosh. again on one of our special yeah. events. <laughs> yes, I truly love it. I love being on this show and getting to talk with you guys about the stuff that we nerd out on. It's so fun. Oh my God. It's, <laughs> there's nothing better than, than just getting to be like, no, I want the sheep. It's like really nice. It's so lovely <laughs> to get to just say these things and be taken seriously. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> Caitlin, do you have any social media things to promote or important romance advice for our listeners? Oh my gosh. Well, I'm at Caitlin Hempstead on all of this stuff. Um, and important romance advice is you listen to people you trust and then throw it all away and listen to your heart. And then Ooh. temper listening to your heart with also listening to the people that you trust. <laughs> Just double back that. on it a little bit. Exactly. <laughs> wow, I love that. I love that. I love that. Well, you guys, thank you for listening to the pod. We have a new episode out every week. And remember to subscribe and rate. And we are brought to you by Campfire Media. And P.S. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. I love rom-coms. Hi, Adam Peacock from My Neighbors Are Dead here. Each week on My Neighbors Are Dead, I talk to the tertiary characters real and imagined from your favorite horror films. But this summer, we're doing something different. We are taking you to the northern woods of Michigan all the way up to Whitlow Lake to bring you the original tale of the My Neighbors Are Dead summer camp massacre. We're bringing back some fan favorites of the show as we try to piece together through interviews with survivors, witnesses, and with any luck, the killer Chad himself. We're going to try to piece together exactly what the hell happened up there at Camp Willow Lake. It starts June 22nd and it runs all summer long. That's the My Neighbors Are Dead Summer Camp Massacre. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.